everybody's having as good of a morning as I am. I am excited to be here as always. Some of you are used to me being a little excited. I'm going to try to keep it down. I'm going to try. No? I'm going to try to keep it reserved today. You know what today is? It's the Lord's Day. And it's also Selfie Sunday. So everybody get your phone out. Come on. Get your phone out and take a selfie with somebody. I got these folks right here. Selfie. Everybody looking. Boom. There you go right there. I got middle section right here, looking good over there. Selfie Sunday. Y'all taking selfies? I don't see anybody taking selfies. You're taking selfies right here. All right, here we go, right here. And then at last, over here on this side. Not, not least, but last. Y'all ready? There it is right there. Everybody, Selfie Sunday. Fantastic. Those are going on my Instagram, by the way. Like I have an Instagram. I don't. So glad you guys decided to join us this morning here at Connections Church, and we are excited about all the things that God is doing. How many of you are all up into some Jonah right now? Two of you. Great. That's fantastic. Well, that gets us where we need to be this morning. If you've got your handouts, get those out. As Terry mentioned just a little bit ago, we are studying the book of Jonah. It's a little mini-series. We're on week two, and I'm excited about being in week two, aren't you? Now, see, so it's an interactive situation. Some of you might not be used to going to a church like that, but this is going to be an interactive time. So when I say, are you this or that, you you respond. So if I say, are you happy to be in the book of Jonah this morning? You say, now you're getting the hang of it. Now you're getting the hang of it. See, it's hard to preach when somebody's not talking back to you. It's It's all lights up here. So you've got your hand out. You're getting ready to take notes on that. And you've got the most important thing you could have brought with you this morning. And that is what? your Bible. And I just love this book. I'll tell you what, just having, and I, I'm not bashing on those of you who still do the, are already doing the, the uh, electronic thing and you got it on your phone. That's cool. You're hip. I get it. But there's something about having this old cowhide leather. Don't write me letters about animals not be. Yeah. It's something about having that on your lap and having it open and smelling the, have you got your, Can you just smell that this morning? Maybe yours is a little older, so the smells are not as good, but something about having this book open and having life exude out of it and hit you right in the face. And that's what's happening in Jonah this morning. If you've got yours, open that up to chapter 1, chapter 2. We're going to be in that area today. And I am excited to be able to, to, to bring you what I think the Lord has laid on my heart for us today. We're in the book of Jonah. We're talking about this story that we've told our kids for generations and generations and generations. You're familiar, right? In Sunday school and in, in, in children's church, we, we talk about Jonah and the, the whale, the great fish, as the Bible calls it. We, we sort of made it a whale just so that our kids, I think, could understand it better, or maybe some of us adults could understand it better. It's, it's, it's about this, this man, and if those of you who weren't here with us, Last week on week one of the series, don't be upset. I'm going to catch you up very, very quickly. We've got a guy. His name is Jonah. And God spoke to Jonah and said, I need you to go over and preach my word to a city called Nineveh. And Jonah said, no. Jonah gets on a boat, pays good money, and he's actually headed in the opposite direction of where Nineveh was. That's about as far as Pastor Robert got last week, if I remember correctly. He said no. He found transport to go the opposite direction of where God had told him 
to go. So he's on a ship that he paid good money for, and we pick up his trail in verse 4 of Jonah chapter 1. By the way, if you're here with us for the first time at Connections Church, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you are here. Are you with me in verse 4? Wait a minute. Now, are you with me in verse 4? Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. So there's a storm. And a lot of times when we talk about the book of Jonah, that's where we want to focus on is the storm. We want to focus on the fact that there's storms in our lives. There's things that happen. How many of you have ever been in a storm in your life? Let me see your hand. How many of you maybe are in a storm right now in your life? Don't be bashful to raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. I'm I'm in a storm right now. But this tells us that there was a storm that that occurred on the the ocean out there. But I want you to see that at the beginning of verse 4, I want you to see who sent the storm. This is a very important part. And if you guys don't read your Bible like I do where every word matters, you're going to find that you missed this. It says who sent the storm. The Lord sent the storm. You say, well, I don't really like that, Pastor. I don't like the fact that the Lord would send storms in my life. I I, I want the comfortable stuff. Isn't that right? I I want the things that make me feel happy. I want the things that that I can can relate to in a positive way. But then we read in verse 4 that as we're relating the story to our own lives, that the Lord sent a storm. And we say, well, the storm was a result of Jonah's disobedience. The storm came because Jonah was not going where he was supposed to be going to Nineveh. The storm came because Jonah was not doing what he said to do. So where's Jonah in this situation? We read in the scripture that Jonah's down below taking a nap. How many of you love to take naps? Oh yeah, bring it on. Julie and I just love to take a nap. She gets home from work in the afternoons. I try to be there. We hit the couch. It's a great season of life. We get a nap before dinner, and then after dinner we say, you know, I'm pretty tired from the day. I think I need a a nap right before bed. Jonah's down below. He's asleep while the storm is raging. Isn't that a picture of the church today? While the storms are raging in life, the church seems to be asleep. While people are fighting for their life... We seem to be comfortable in our own ways. We're, we're having a nap. We're not out there getting it done and, and finding those people who need us. The world is afraid and the church is asleep. You say, well, I don't know if I agree with that, Pastor. I mean, we do a lot of things and we do. We're all around the community and we, we do this kind of thing. I, I kind of disagree with that. We're, we're not necessarily asleep. Well, let me ask you a challenging question this morning. When is the last time that you engage someone in a conversation about Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about a superficial, hey, I go to church over here, maybe you could join us. I'm talking about when have you engaged somebody in a conversation about who Jesus Christ is in your life and told them what he could do in their life. An engaging conversation. We've got to wake up as Jonah 
had to be woke up. We've got to get with it in the church in America and wake up and realize that while the storm is raging outside of the walls of this church, it's our job to go out and tell people who Jesus is. Don't be afraid to say amen. So why would God send storms into your life? When we like the comfortable and, and we, we're getting along fine with, with the comfortable stuff, why is it that God might decide to, to send storms into our life? Here's the beautiful part. Is that God is our Father. Is that right? He's not just our caretaker. He wasn't just our creator. God decided in His own wisdom and His own grace and His own mercy to be our Father. He decided that. He extends that invitation to us. And what do fathers do to their children they discipline their children as a matter of fact the scripture says what what would a father be if he didn't discipline his child as a matter of fact we could use that as a litmus test for our own lives is God my father say that with me is God my father the answer to that question might come with the asking none of another question which is does he discipline me have you ever been God smacked I call it If he's not disciplining you, then it's perhaps because you're not in his kingdom. You're not a child of God. So if you find yourself disciplined this morning, this should be your posture. Thank you, God, for disciplining me. You say, well, that's contrary to what we would normally do, right? We don't want to get a spanking. We don't want to, as I mentioned and, and called this sermon this morning, we don't want to get took behind the woodshed. How many of you know that phrase? How many of you have been behind the woodshed? Everybody under the age of 30 is like, I got no idea what you're talking about. Behind the woodshed is a place where discipline occurs. It's a place where correction occurs. It's a place where relationship occurs. As my dad said many times, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I didn't think he was telling the truth until I had kids. Sometimes God's got to take you behind the woodshed. And in the way of doing that, we find that, as in the book of Jonah, sometimes that comes in storms. Sometimes storms come into our life. And I want to give you, quickly on your outline there, three kinds of storms. So Jonah's on this ship, and he's, he's headed out, and he's not going the direction that God told him to go. And some of us may find ourselves in that situation this morning. And a storm came up. The first kind of storm that might come up in your life are protecting storms. Protecting storms. Those are the kind of storms that we see in, in the New Testament. Right after, right after the miracle of the loaves and fishes that we talked about just a, a couple of weeks ago, the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and his disciples. They were there on the shore of Galilee, and the crowd was pressing in, and they were not pressing in to be nice. They were pressing in because they wanted to make Jesus be their king. You see, the, the people were looking for a king that would uh, release them from the oppression of the Romans, and they said, you are our guy. We're coming after you you're going to be our king and Jesus saw that that was that crowd was moving in and he told the disciples to get on a ship and go across to the other side while they were on that ship the Bible says a great wind a storm occurred so which would be better to be in the crowd of people who were closing in to demand what they wanted or to be out in the middle of the sea in a storm well we know the answer to that question because Jesus walked up in the middle of that storm and calmed it. So Jesus knew that in this situation, his disciples were better off in the storm on the sea than on the storm on the shore. 
It was a protecting storm. Another kind of storm that could pop up in your life are perfecting storms. We look at all the trials and tribulations that young Joseph, if you remember his story from the Old Testament, he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was falsely accused of of rape. He was wrongly imprisoned. And all of those were perfecting storms in Joseph's life. You see, Joseph didn't do anything to make all those things happen. He wasn't involved in sin. We don't read that. Matter of fact, we know from reading through Scripture that Joseph was a a man that, that followed God's commandments. He didn't do anything. So that wasn't his fault. Joseph wasn't out there doing things that would make God say, well, I'm going to have to cause a storm to come in. Joseph was being perfected. All of those things that happened to Joseph, and and there were some really bad things if you read through the Old Testament, but the very opposite was the case. It wasn't that he had done something to make the Lord have to do those. It was the fact that Lord allowed calamity to come into Joseph's life to mold him and to make him into the person and the man that he needed to be. They were perfecting storms. He ultimately became the the second most powerful man in the world at that time. Why? Because of perfecting storms. And then the third kind of storms that we see are correcting storms. Correcting storms is certainly the case with our story here in the book of Jonah. He, He brought this on himself. God said, go here, and Jonah went there. And we can relate to that this morning because it's perhaps I'm in a room full of people who who have done just that at some point in their life. You you really felt the call of the Holy Spirit and the Lord on your life and He was saying, go and do this. And you said, I'm not going, but thanks for the offer. I'm going this way. He said, I really want you to, to have this and I really want to put this in front of you. And you said, no, that's not what I want for me. As a matter of fact, I went back and looked at the list I had made when I was a teenager, and that's not on there, Lord, thank you very much, but no thanks. But because Jonah is a child of God, because God loves Jonah with an everlasting love, because Jonah is part of the family of God, God chastens, he corrects Jonah. And he sends the storm. It was a reminder to Jonah that he was indeed a true child of God. I want you to get that this morning because some of you are going through storms or recently have gone through storms. If you haven't, most likely you will go through a storm in the near future sometime in your life. And I want you to understand and remember the fact that God loved Jonah and sent a storm. God loves you and may have to send a storm And it might be a storm of correction. Verse 7, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let's cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. How is this storm brewing, they said. Let's let's go find out whose deal this is. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now, I don't want you to sit and ponder on that too long and wonder if they had some magical thing going on on board that ship that you need to know about. They did not. They cast lots. They drew straws. It was a a game of pure chance. But God made sure that the arrow, the short straw, whatever it was, the lot fell on Jonah. Do you believe that this morning? Matter of fact, let me ask you this. Do you believe this story at all? Is it true? Is every word about Jonah being swallowed by a great fish true and amen? 
I love the fact, I love to ask the kids that in children's church because when they respond and they say, yes, Pastor Scott, that's true, that's exactly, I said, then if that's true, then everything before it and everything after it is true too. Isn't that great to know? Because some of that stuff we struggle with, but we can say, it's true because Jonah is true. So they cast lots and the lot fell upon Jonah And they said, you're the guy. So they asked him in verse 8, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. In other words, they were saying, who are you, guy? Tell us who you are. And they asked him a series of questions. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? For what people are you? Jonah answered in verse 9 and said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And this terrified all of them. And they asked, what have you done? And then in my Bible, it has in parentheses, they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. And I wondered about that this week. He had already told them so. So he had already spent some time on, on board the ship and he had sort of already told some people what he was doing. But when the storm came up and they, and they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah, they looked at him and they started firing all these questions. How many of you just love to have questions fired at you? Right before dinner, guys, just got home from work, Bam! Bam, question after question after question. You love that, right? Jonah gets woke up and they're like, dude, something's going on. Who are you? What are you doing? Here's the wonderful thing that I see in there is that Jonah, like some of us, was a hypocrite. That's on your outline there is B. Jonah the hypocrite. You see, he said he was one thing, but he was doing another, was he not? He said, I'm a Hebrew. I follow the Lord my God. I, I, I love him and I follow all his commands. And the sailors on board are going, really? Wow, what a great testimony. We really want to follow your God now. He's done all of this for you. You see, the sailors on board were not ignorant people. They might have been sailors, but I believe they knew. They had heard about the Lord God. And when Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew, I follow the Lord God, they thought, why in the world would you be running from him? You see, we had already read that they were praying to their own gods. They, they all went and prayed to their own pagan gods to save them from the storm. So they didn't believe in the Lord God the way Jonah did, but they knew who the Lord God was. And Jonah, in that moment probably realized how hypocritical he really was. Isn't it important for us to act the same thing that's coming out of our mouth? Yes. Wouldn't it be important for us as Christians, as Christ followers, to live what this book says and the things that are pouring out of our mouth? Yes. Jonah realized... He was being hypocritical. He realized that out of his mouth came, I am a Hebrew, I follow the Lord God, but that here he was, even giving God, the Lord God credit. He's the the one that made the dry land and the sea. And the sailors are like, really? Well, then what are you doing? And they were waiting to see if he would tell the truth because as it says in there, they already knew, he had already told them what he was doing. I'm running from God. Isn't it a shame when Christians don't act like Christians? Well, I read a story this week about a church in Texas. 
And there was a bar that was getting to be built relatively close to the church there in Texas. And so, man, they put a, a petition together and they were going to turn that into the city. And, and they started having prayer meetings. Well, the progress of the bar continued. And about a week before the bar opened, lightning strikes the bar and it burns to the ground. Well, the bar owner, having seen what the church was up to all of this time, takes him to court. And the documentation that the bar owner puts together says that because of the prayers of the church, my bar was burnt to the ground. Well, the church denies any responsibility whatsoever. They said our prayers and our petitions didn't have anything to do with the weather and the lightning that day that came and burnt that bar to the ground. So when the paperwork hits the desk of the judge, he calls them all into court. And he says, I don't know how I'm going to decide this. But it appears from the paperwork that I have in front of me that we have a bar owner who believes in the power of prayer and an entire church congregation that does not. Wouldn't it be great if Christ followers would act like Christ followers? Wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to suffer through the the label of hypocritical that the, the world has put on the church of Jesus Christ? Do you know why we have that label? Because we've been hypocrites. We're all guilty in our own lives and we're guilty in the church. We've been hypocritical. We've said one thing and we've done a complete other and that's where Jonah found himself in a hypocritical state saying he was a follower of the Lord but running from that very Lord at the same time. Jonah the hypocrite. As verse 11 continues, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, and so they asked him, what should we do to you? Now that they had pinpointed him, they said, what what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And pick me up in verse 12, Jonah says, and throw me into the sea. And he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Here's something we could all learn from Jonah. Take responsibility. Would you write that down? Take responsibility when you know it's on you. Now in the workplace, that's super important. I spent 20 years in 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 the secular business world, and all I ever asked of people who worked for me was, if you did it, say you did it. There's not going to be consequences and repercussions. Don't ever be scared that you're going to lose your job. We can work through just about anything that you do, but at least take responsibility so that I don't have to spend my entire day trying to figure out who did it because it's going to fall on you at some point anyway. If we would rise up as Christians when we are hypocritical and take responsibility for it and say, it's me, I did it. What kind of testimony would that restore for people who don't follow Christ? That they could at least say, at least they took responsibility for it. At least they stood up like a man or like a woman and said, it's me, I did it. Jonah said, if you want the storm to be calmed and and you want this thing to be done so that you won't drown, throw me into the sea. I noticed this week that he didn't jump overboard. Did you guys get that? Jonah could have just as easily walked to the edge of the ship and jumped in, right? But he said, no, you pick me up and you throw me in. And in just that visual 
act of someone picking Jonah up or multiple guys picking Jonah up and throwing him overboard, we get to see on our outlines today that there had to be a sacrifice. What a beautiful picture this is. This is where I really start to get wound up when it comes to stuff like this. When you're reading something in the Old Testament and you realize that there had to be a sacrifice and it's pointing you directly to the cross of Jesus Christ. You say, sometimes I just can't read the Old Testament, Pastor. I just can't get into it. I've tried, but I just keep flipping back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's great. But if you'll flip into the Old Testament and you'll see the sacrifices that took place. Leviticus is hard to read. Those books in Deuteronomy are hard to read. But when you see the sacrifices taking place and you know that they are pointing you to the cross of Jesus Christ and the ultimate salvation that would come through Him, you can then get into it. You can say, I get that. And when you see these sailors pick Jonah up and go, Woo! You see a sacrifice that has to take place so that the storm can end. So that... Other people's lives can be saved. Did you get that? The sailors' lives had to be saved, and we're about to find out why. The sailors' lives had to be saved. Jonah had to go overboard. There had to be a sacrifice. It says in in the next few verses, instead, the men did their best to row back to land. Listen, why would they do that? When Jonah had just given them the solution, he just said... If you want the storm to end, throw me in and the storm will be calm. The men got together and said, let's just try rowing back. Do you see the works doctrine that crops up in that scripture? It's men who have been told what they need to do, getting together and saying, maybe there's another way. Maybe we can, let's just, hey, everybody grab an oar and let's see what we can do. And the storm just keeps raging. Why? Because the works of men can't save people. Thank God for that. Because I would have failed. The works of the men trying to row the boat against the storm couldn't make it happen. They tried. But what a picture that is for us to look and say, why would we, why would we come up with a, a doctrine of works? Why would we come up with another plan when the plan is right in front of us? But it says they, they, couldn't, they couldn't make the row and work for the sea grew even wilder before them. Verse 14, Then they cried out to the Lord, Please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased and they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and the raging sea went calm at this the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and he and they made vows to him D on your outline is the sailors believed do you see the act of sacrifice that took place Jonah went overboard Just as he said, if you throw me in, the waves will stop, the sea will be calm, I'll be the sacrifice for you, I'm the one who owns the disobedience here, it's my God, my Lord that's caused this, because I'm running from Him, throw me in, the sea will calm, they did it, it calmed, and they did this, hey, we love you Lord, we thank you Lord, do you see the the act of obedience then that took place and immediately upon an act of obedience the sea calmed and God used Jonah 
and his sacrifice to save we don't know how many sailors who were on board. Save them from their pagan thoughts. Save them from their pagan worship. They saw the Lord God who he truly was. Somebody ought to be excited about that this morning. How can God use a storm? How can He use a sacrifice? How can He use things that we would put in the negative column to bring people to the name of Christ? To bring people to belief? We see it in the story of Jonah. Maybe you've seen it in your life. Maybe there's been some derogatory negative thing. Something that you thought, God, this is a storm. I shouldn't have to go through this. And maybe you haven't seen it yet. God's going to bring glory to His own name. He's going to bring others into the family. They're going to see who He is through what He's doing in your life. That's good news for somebody who's struggling in the middle of a storm right now. That they could get on their knees and say, God, thank you for the storm. Thank you for this correcting storm. Bring others to Christ through me. That's why when we have a hurricane that hits the, the coast of the country and we pray earnestly for those people, we see the devastation and we know lives have been lost, but we pray, God, bring revival to our land through this storm. That's why when we see terrorist attacks around the world, we say, God, this is awful. And we feel for those people and our Christian brothers and sisters that are being persecuted. But Lord, bring revival revival glorify your name bring people to the saving knowledge of christ through these storms i don't know where you're at i'm blessing myself this morning god we want to see you move and these people believed isn't that beautiful right there in the midst of all that was happening to jonah the sailors came to know who god was They offered a sacrifice to the Lord. They took vows to the Lord. I I took that literally. They took vows to the Lord. They made promises to the Lord. They, They put their lives on the line just like you and I have at some point in our life. When we came and accepted Christ, we made a vow. And we said, Lord, I will do my best to live for you. You come and live in my heart. Sailors on board a ship after a storm just dissipated. Making vows to God. Believing in who He was. Verse 17 says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I want you to circle that word or write that word down. Provided is what the the NIV says. But the King James Version or the New King James Version says, Prepared. Who sent the storm? The Lord did. Who sent the fish? The Lord did. And that word prepared in your Bible right there literally means ordained. It literally means called. God called a fish. I don't know how you call a fish. I don't know if you whistle for a fish. I don't know if you give it a little... Here, hey, fishy. But it wasn't just any fish. It was a great fish. God prepared the fish, which means that there had been some time. There had been some time put into it on God's part. He didn't just decide because Jonah's swimming in the water at this point to call a fish. There had been time before that when he said, I need you to grow bigger fish. I need you to be prepared 
for a time when I'm going to need you to take on some cargo. I need you to be the big, great fish. I need you to be at this place in the sea at this moment. Do you understand what I'm saying this morning? Is God has all things in preparation. And the word prepared means ordained. We like to talk about ordained when it comes to a pastor. We're going to ordain them and put them in the pulpit. God ordained the fish. God can ordain anybody he wants to ordain or anything he wants to ordain. He called the fish. He prepared the fish. And he made sure the fish was right where Jonah was while he was in the water. Amen? Oh, that's good news for somebody because they're in the water right now. And they're swimming and they're doing the best they can. But they feel like they're drowning. God has a fish on the way for you. Wow. God has a fish. He's got a, an answer to your prayer on the way for you. He's been preparing that fish for decades, perhaps, for, for months, for years, to be there at the very moment that you need it to be. That's E on your outline is an ordained fish. It wasn't just a fish that happened to random by, happened to be in the area. There's a school of plankton over here. I think I'll just hang out. No, God called that fish to be right where Jonah was at the right time. And I'm happy about that this morning. That original King James Version word prepared tells us with confidence that God's hand was in this story. And at the appointed time, that fish came and made dinner of Jonah. Did that really happen? Absolutely. I believe it 100%. There's absolutely no way that you could convince me right now that that did not happen. That that great fish didn't come along at the right moment, prepared by God, and make dinner out of Jonah. Here's what I love about that, is that for three days and three nights, and Robert, Pastor Robert mentioned that to you last week, out of Matthew chapter 12, Jesus himself references the story of Jonah and says, just as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish for three days and three nights, I will be what? In the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Again, he was telling the disciples at that point about what was going to happen to him. But there in the belly of the whale, the fish, Jonah realizes something. Jonah realizes at day three, we'll call it. Now, I wondered about day one and two this week. Did you? Because no doubt the digestive juices of a, a large whale would start to take effect, would they not? And I'm thinking that at some point, you, you start to realize that the, whale, the, the fish is on the move and that you are eaten, you are in the stomach of or inside the the great fish and things don't smell real pleasant there I would imagine how about you I would imagine if that fish or whatever he had eaten plankton or whatever great fish eat that he ate before he ate me they're on their way to being digested and moving through the system and they don't smell real good and in the midst of all of that Jonah realizes I'm not dead I'm still alive. I've been in here three days. But I'm still here. Have y'all ever looked at yourself in the mirror like that? Is that just me? You're still, you're a good looking guy. That's what I say. You're still alive. 
You've been through it. But you're not dead yet. Jonah realizes that after being in there for three days and three nights is what our Bibles tell us. And he realizes that this is not an occasion for a plea of rescue. A prayer of rescue. He realizes this is the time to give thanks. This is the time to be thankful because I'm, I've been in here now and I am good. Did Jonah know what was about to happen? He had no idea. But he knew this. He knew that he was still able to think with the mind that God gave him. He knew that he was still able to breathe. He, he knew that God had preserved him in the depths of that great fish. And instead of a plea for rescue from the situation. Listen, this applies to somebody here. Instead of continuing to pray, God, get me out of here. Rescue me from this place. Jonah threw his head back, threw his hands up and said, Thank you, God, for that life raft in that great fish that you sent me. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know if some of you are awake this morning. Jonah realized, I'm not dead. God sent, God prepared, God called this fish to save me. And he threw his head back and threw his arms up and he gave a a prayer of thanksgiving. That's F on your outline. Listen, it says from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Thank you, God, that you you answer and that you listen. Verse 3 says, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah's talking to the Lord and he's saying, I know it was you, baby. I know you did it. When they threw me in and the waves started crashing and breaking over my head, I knew knew it was you that that did that, that put me in that place. He says in verse 4, I said, I I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. Did you see the switch in Jonah's mindset right there? He said, I know it was you, God. I just realized it. I've been down here for three days, three nights riding in this fish. He's praying to God and he's saying, I knew it was you that did it. I just figured this thing out. But I'm going to look again towards your holy temple. I love that. Then engulfing waters threatened me, Jonah said. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. He was doomed. The roots of the mountains, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me forever. He was looking at the base of mountains. He was all the way where? At the bottom. That's important. Don't miss that. Don't just think, oh, Jonah's floating around in the water. I'm talking about he was sinking. And he said, Lord, I saw the roots of the mountains. That means he was all the way down at the bottom. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Sometimes we're all the way at the bottom. Sometimes we think we're all the way at the bottom. And then something happens and there's more bottom to be had. And he was looking at the, the roots of the mountains. And then he says this, but you, Lord God, brought my life up from the pit. Oh, we ought to get excited about that. It's you, oh God, who brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. You see, there, Jonah had spent a certain amount of time in the water. Almost to the point of where life was ebbing away from him. He was about to die. There's only so long we can be in the water. Amen? I'm good for about 30 seconds and then i got to have some air. How about you? Some of you guys, some of you dive and do all kinds, and you can, maybe you go three minutes. Maybe some of you are super talented, and you can go four or five minutes in the water. Anybody longer than about five minutes? 
We'd all be ebbing away at that point, would we not? He said, my life was ebbing away. I was seeing some stuff. I was all the way at the bottom. I could see the roots of the mountains. Life was ebbing away from me. And then I remembered you, Lord. Verse 7 is so critical. If you've got a pen in your hand and you've got your Bible open, circle that, highlight that. We have got to remember the Lord. In that situation where life is ebbing away and we might be thinking that this is the end, this is, this is the end of the road for me, this is going to be all done, our thoughts should be that we remembered the Lord. And then Jonah said, my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. All of this, coming out of Jonah while he's in the belly of the great fish. Understanding that that fish came and saved him from drowning in that water. He thought back and said, man, I was about to drown. But inside here, I'm breathing. I'm not dead yet. I'm still able to have coherent thoughts. Oh my God, I remember you. In this moment, not knowing how it was going to end up, not understanding what was about to happen, Jonah said, I don't care about all that. I just want to thank my good Lord that I had three more days. It might have been in the belly of a great fish, but I had three more days. Thank you, Lord. I remember you, Lord. I was so far down. I was so far down as a body could go, the message version says. And the gates were slamming behind me. You pulled me up from the grave alive. Oh God, my God, when my life was slipping away, I remembered God and my prayer got through to you. It made it all the way to your holy temple. Maybe somebody's in the midst of a a storm and in the midst of the water. You're in the midst of the the great fish today. And you're thinking, that's it. I'm done. I want to encourage you today to remember the Lord. Remember that you are a child of the Lord. Remember that He has His hand on your life. He sent that great storm and He sent that ordained fish to you. For this moment in your life. He's not done with you yet. Did you see the transition in Jonah's prayer about halfway through? He was recalling the things that he had been through. But I love that transition to say, but I remembered the Lord. He remembers the fact that God's been good to him. He remembers the fact that he will be grateful in his praise. In the belly of the great fish... He was making a sacrifice of praise. Well, some of you can't make a sacrifice of praise. Sitting in your comfortable clothes in your comfortable church. Rode in in your comfortable car with your comfortable food. And you can't make a sacrifice of praise. Some of us can't muster up the energy to do any of that. And here's Jonah in a bad situation. Saying, Lord, I I give you praise. I remember you. And here's how God responded. The fish vomited Jonah out onto the shore. Isn't that a great response from God? Once he hears the prayer, he's like, you know what? I think I'm going to give Jonah a second chance. How many of you are grateful for second chances? 
Third chances. Fourth chances. I'm on my my 54th chance maybe or 500,000th chance. God says, I think I hear a sacrifice of praise coming from the belly of a a fish that I had prepared. I think I hear my child Jonah, who's deep down in the water, deep inside of the belly of a great fish. I think I hear in his tone of voice, in his heart, I think I hear a prayer and a sacrifice of praise. And God, who prepared the fish, tells the fish, spit him up on the shore. How many of you would love to be spit up on the shore this morning? I'm talking about in the sense that Jonah was. And given a second chance... And know that God has his hand on you. And you might have a little bit of fish business on you. But you're still alive. And God gives second chances. What he heard in Jonah's prayer was some repentance. That's G on your outline. Second chances, repentant and regurgitated. That's where we find Jonah. With a second chance. And we're going to talk about that next week. Do you think he had to be told again? Well, God reminds him. He says, I need you to go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I gave you. Jonah's been through it and he spent some time in the water. After running, he spent some time in the belly of a great fish. And so when he finds himself regurgitated onto the seashore, he finds himself with a second chance. And God says, I need you to go to Nineveh. And I need you to proclaim who I am to those people. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? The fish vomited Jonah out onto the seashore. Notice where Jonah was spit out. It specifically says he was spit out on the seashore. God could have said, hey fish, spit him out in the water and let's let him swim for it. But that's not what God wanted to do. You see, God is into restoration. He's into saving. He's into correcting. And then He's into second chances and third chances and fourth chances and all the chances that you need because His heart, the heart of the Father, is that you and the people around you would come to know Him. So instead of just telling the great fish to Fit Jonah out in the middle of the water. He said, I need you to swim to the edge where Jonah can get out, stand up, breathe some fresh air. I need you to spit him out on the seashore. I told you, everything in Scripture is important. Everything. God loved Jonah so much, he he proves it to Jonah. And Jonah finds himself sprawled out on the beach, having just spent three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish. Reminded of his mission. I'm here to remind you of your mission this morning. I'm here to remind you that God causes storms. We like to blame the the devil for that. We like to say, well, well, the the devil's on my back and he's really got me down. Sometimes that's, that's God correcting, protecting, providing for you. We need to praise him in those storms. Some of us find ourselves in the, in the water struggling a little bit. We, we're looking at, this is the end. I can't do it anymore. This thing's got me 
wrapped up like Jonah said with seaweed all around my head I'm here to remind you this morning that God has an ordained answer like Jonah's ordained fish he's got a prepared answer for you coming to save your life don't give up now Jonah could have gulped in one more gulp of water and just ended it all but he waited he was watching he was looking he was all the way at the bottom and then the fish arrived don't give up now and I'm here to remind somebody that our God my God is a God of second chances I don't know what you've done I don't know how many times you've done it. I don't know who you've done it with or where you were when you did it. But I'm here this morning as a messenger of God to tell you it doesn't matter. You're not so far gone. You're not so deep into it. To where God has given up on you. He's a God of second, third, fourth, millionth chances. So I don't know where you're at in all of this this morning. We had a whale of a tail. But it points us to the cross of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that He laid down there so that we could be here today and worship Him. Is there anybody in this place that heard anything that just hit home that would just get up and walk down here? Don't wait, just do it now. If the Holy Spirit's been telling you something, there's something going on in your life, and you're like, yeah, I can relate to that, whatever it was. Maybe it was something I didn't even say, but the Holy Spirit impressed upon you while we were talking about this just get up and come down here I would just love to pray with you maybe you don't know the Lord maybe you don't know this Jesus maybe you don't know how to go through your life and have the kind of confidence and faith that Jonah showed when he threw his head back and gave a prayer of thanksgiving come down here God wants to give you that today there's no problem too big no no valley too deep no mountain too tall that would keep you The Scripture says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So once you've got it, you've got it. Don't be depressed today and let the enemy tell you you're too far gone. You're not. He wants to come in and renew you and wash over you and give you a new sense of purpose. He wants to save you today. Who else will come? This is not a time in our lives. This is not a a day and age to live with Maybe I should have, or maybe I'll respond. Respond. If the Holy Spirit is calling on you, move in this direction. I want to pray over all of us. Pray for these that that came down. Pray for those of you who are watching online, those of you who will listen to this podcast. You say, it's just a story we tell kids in children's church. It is, but it's so much more than that. It's about the power of a risen Jesus that can come and change our lives today. I'm going to give you like 15 or 20 more seconds if you've just been hanging on to the back of your seat or the bottom of your seat. He's begging you to move. Move in this direction. You say, well, there's nothing special about coming down front. You're right, there isn't. But there's something in being obedient to God's Word. Jonah found that out. Will you find that out today? Will you move and be obedient to to what He's asking you to do today? Thank you. Maybe you're out there in your seat and you didn't want to move, but you would raise a hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I just don't, don't forget me in this final prayer. Anybody, just raise a hand. Anybody at all. Thank you. We're going to pray. 
And I want those of you who are, who are seated, who are Christ followers, who know that God rescues people, to extend a hand towards these that are up here and pray for them. I don't mean pray for them in a murmur. I want to hear voices. I want to hear our God get glorified in this place. I want to hear some fervent prayers of people who believe that God will move. Do it now. In Jesus' name. Father God, we worship you. I sense your presence in this place as I have since I got here at 7.30 this morning. Because you're faithful. You never fail us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And God, I know there's some people who feel like they're drowning with whatever's going on in their lives. I know there's some people who, who feel like they've been riding in the belly of a fish for three, three days and three nights. I know there's some people here that are desperately seeking an answer, God. They, they did come seeking rescue. But in this moment, your word is ask us to make a prayer of thanksgiving like Jonah did. And just believe that you're going to rescue us. And just believe that we won't have to spend any more time in the, in the great fish. That, that we don't have to spend any more time drowning. That we won't have seaweed wrapped around our head. But for this moment, at this time, we just want to thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for those that, that had a heart to respond. I thank you for the pulling of your Holy Spirit in our lives. God, that proves to us when we feel that, that we are your children, that you, you constantly look to correct and, and lead us and, and grow us. And so I thank you, God, that people were pulled to respond. Lord, for those that, that maybe didn't get out of their seat, but they feel that calling, they feel that presence in their life, God, do the thing that you most want to do, and that is to change them to be more like you. God, I pray for, for each and every person. You're doing something individual in all of these people. You're doing something individual in people online. You're doing something individual in all of us because you wanted to correct us. You, you want to call us your children, God. And, and, and you're our Father. And, and, and we, we praise you today, God, because you do correct us. If you didn't correct us at all, if you left us alone to our own devices, we wouldn't feel your presence and we would just be left wondering if you were even there. So I thank you today, God, for your 
correcting storms. I, I thank you today, God, for your discipline. I thank you today, God, that, that you're calling us into a deeper relationship with you. And I thank you today, God, for second chances. Lord, we repent. We say we're sorry. We repent of the things that we've done that that aren't like you. And I'm not talking about we didn't read our Bible this week or we forgot to pray over our meal. I'm talking about the times when we've turned our back and denied you. I'm talking about the fact that at sometimes in our life we've gone to the right when you clearly said go to the left. We've let you down, God, so many times. But today we stand in in your presence. Would you stand with me all across this room? We stand in your presence today, God. As a people who have been given another chance. And for that chance, for that victory, we ought to praise you. We ought to thank you. We ought to pour our hearts out. We ought to leave this place sweating because we have lifted our hands and we have extended our hands and we have sang our hearts out to you, God, in a song of thanks and in a song of praise because of who you are. We worship you today, God.